Mortis Maledictum is a cosmic dark fantasy story, and as such may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you enjoy Mortis Maledictum, please join our Patreon page and our Discord community to connect with us and gain access to exclusive content. The links are down below. Now, enjoy the show. We find ourselves here, at the beginning. Another tale. Another chapter. Brownhorn Hunt was a well-respected outfitter in northern Hungary. They knew the best places in the Buck Mountains to find red deer, fallow deer, goats, elk, and all types of birds for hunters to chase from around the globe. They'd been in the hunting business for many decades, and their ownership passed down through the family. Their pedigree had attracted the attention of a group of so-called coffee barons. These coffee barons were friends who, despite competing in their own businesses, went on lavish vacations together in their personal life. Usually these vacations were where they ironed out plans to make waves in the coffee industry. They never tried to hide it, and essentially flaunted their unofficial monopoly on Colombia and Brazil's coffee industry. Alejandro, the lone member who spoke German, scowled at the owner and their own broken German. It was difficult enough to carry on a conversation outside of your own native language, but when there was only one language both parties spoke, and it was neither's native tongue, it was a whole other nightmare. Juan, Raoul, and Samuel stood near the front of Brownhorn Hunt's office. I don't understand what's taking so long. Raoul complained in a quick cadence Spanish, tinged with the occasional Portuguese. The other two threw up their hands in annoyed agreement. We paid for a week. They should give us a week, said Juan. The office was built of hard wood, reddened with stain and polished to shining. There were antlers hanging from the ceiling, holding lights which gave horn shadows to the walls and the floor. Large windows lay in a soft grey light and overlooked the forested edge of the Buck Mountains. Raoul adjusted the brim of his iconic fedora. He had worn it for so long there was a dark stain on his edge from where the oils of his hands had soaked into the cashmere. You could scarcely drive through a town in Colombia without seeing his fedora-clad face smiling at you from advertising posters hung from every third street. Now, he adjusted it out of a nervous tick. Raoul was the money man on this particular vacation, and if he wasn't making any money here, he was losing it. Even vacations were business opportunities. Actuates didn't offer down divine blessings unless you showed the ability to do it yourself. Alejandro made his way back over to the group, looking equal parts frustrated and entitled. That arsehole isn't going to help us, he said all in Spanish save the curse, which he spoke in German. The owner lifted an eyebrow from behind the counter, and it clearly hurt him, but had enough professionalism and restraint to avoid further confrontation. Well, what are we going to do? asked Raoul. I paid them months ago. Alejandro shrugged. They're offering to take us next week or give us a full refund. Samuel crossed his arms over his chest, resting them on top of his quite rotund midsection. That's just not going to work. We're not going to be here in a week. And they promised us five days of driven hunting. I've already cleared the wall where I'm going to put the thing, he said, emphasizing thing, spitting and sputtering in annoyance. Juan nodded along. Yeah, why can't they take us out? It's already paid for. It was Alejandro's turn to shrug. I don't know for sure, my German's not the best. But it sounded like there's something out there they don't want to mess with. What, 
Like a bear, Raoul asked. No. They called it the Tuzumek. I don't think it translated very well. What in the white hell is that? They don't want to take us out to get our fairly paid trophies because of some fucking bogeyman? Samuel thundered. The owner didn't know a word of Spanish, but it didn't take a translator to know he was pissed. But they didn't budge an inch with a face that told the barons they were more scared of this Tuzumek than the barons themselves. Coffee and rolls of money would not solve this problem, and these men were above getting their hands dirty, coercing people themselves. So they did the only thing they could. They cursed, grumbled, left the outfitter's office and went into the mountains alone. There were coffee barons, and by God they could drive their own hunt. Raul had done hunts of all kinds. He had done hunts from the blinds, hunts where he stalked his prey for days, and hunts where he sent dogs into the rush to scare out his targets. Raul's favorite type of hunt, though, was driven hunts. They were complex, of course, but that came with significant reward. The coffee barons were on their own as they went up into the forested mountains. They did not have the manpower they expected that morning, but four was still sufficient. They would make it work, and Raoul would have his prize. What was that word they used again? One asked. Tuzumek, or some such crap, Alejandro said. You ever heard of that before? No, maybe we'll catch one, not a show those cowards. Alejandro laughed. He leaned his rifle barrel into his shoulder and hugged it stock close to him to dig around in his pockets. A moment later, he pulled out a semi-crushed pack of cigarettes. A few seconds of more juggling and Alejandro puffed lightly on his cigarette. We won't be able to catch anything if every deer in a square kilometer can smell you coming, Duan said. Alejandro simply smiled in response and puffed again, blowing a thick cloud of smoke through his teeth. It made him look like some great dragon admiring a large steak. Are you two going to hurry up or should we leave without you? Samuel called down the hill to the pair. He's in a hurry, Raoul grumbled. Samuel will be out of breath inside an hour, Alejandro counted, smiling again through his smoke before pitching it out on the ground where it smoldered in the moss and the leaves. Day four were heading up into the mountains, aiming for a small pass with a smaller lodge. It was supposed to be their base camp for the hunt after leaving their cars outside the forest, and they decided to use the lodge anyway, despite accepting their outfitter's offered refund. The trip up to the lodge took the rest of the afternoon, thanks mostly to Samuel's unacclimated lungs and Alejandro's cigarette breaks. Once they arrived, the coffee barons easily sorted out the lock with one strong strike from the butt of Raoul's rifle, and Juan set the generator to running, giving the lodge power. They pulled out some food in their hunting map, along with a bottle of tequila. I don't want to sit and wait on this one, Juan started. I need to get the fresh air and stretch my legs, he said. I'm too old and fat to run the deer, Samuel added. Those two were easily picked, but Alejandro and Raul argued back and forth until the tequila was gone. They both wanted to lie in wait for their prizes to come to them. Another wanted to wait to another day to try their luck. Alejandro stepped outside for a smoke in the crisp night air and, in his drunken state, tripped on a loose board on the way back inside. He rolled his ankle and with it, won his place with Samuel, waiting to shoot the biggest deer he could find. Raoul crunched through the sticks and leaves on the ground as loudly as he could. He was the distraction. The big scary monster used to force the prey away from him and toward Alejandro and Samuel's positions a few kilometers down the pass. He grumbled because although Alejandro had a rolled ankle, which provided a sincere excuse, Raoul still felt cheated 
The whole morning had passed without incident, and, unfortunately, without opportunity either. He jangled with every step he took from the brass bells clanging on a strap on his hip. If I didn't want the wildlife to have any chance to miss, Raoul struck through the forest. He was there to rile them up after all. One was somewhere off to the west, also making his way down the slopes. Raoul could hear his bells clanging occasionally too. They had worked out the fields of fire the other two would use, so as not to put Raoul and Juan in their lines. It had the added bonus of giving Raoul a slightly easier walk down the forested mountain than his partner. Raoul came over a small rise and found an area where the trees were less dense. From the rise he could see a family of three deer, and a wide, greedy smile creased his face. To hell with letting Samuel and Alejandro have all the glory. As quietly and as swiftly as he could, Raoul knelt down on the mossy ground and detached the clanging bells from his belt and took the rifle off his back, wrapping its leather strap around his forward arm and pulling the buttstock tight into his shoulder. From there, Raoul lowered himself down into the prone atop the small rise. He put his right eye to the glass scope and scanned left and right. There were no deer. They had just been there on the edge of a small clearing. There had been three, and now there was nothing. Raoul scanned again, this time slower. He took care to cover every tree and bush in case they were hiding behind them, digging for some morsel among the leaves. Raoul's search turned up nothing, and, with a sigh and a grimace, he got back up and put his rifle back over his shoulder and across his back. He reattached the clanging bells and gave them a good shake. If he couldn't get a shot at the deer, he would at least move them in the right direction. An hour passed in clanging frustration, and yet, he didn't hear a shot. Raoul must be getting close to the hide where Alejandro and Samuel waited. He recognized some of the trees and landmarks. As he scanned the area around him, Raoul just made out more movement off to his right. He dropped to a knee and unslung his rifle again, but this time held it low. He squinted into the setting sun, which glinted through the foliage above him. Raoul, is that you? Juan's voice came calling towards him. Raoul sighed and stood up. Yes, I'm over here. Have you seen the deer blind? Juan took a heavy step upward onto a fallen tree trunk, his boots knocking some old hoff-rotted bark from the top. It's just down that way, maybe a hundred meters, but it's empty. I just came from there. Maybe they're out recovering a kill? There weren't any spent cases in the blind and you know neither of them cleans up after themselves. Raoul checked his rifle over once before slinging it back over his shoulder. Did you find any sign of them? Juan nodded. That's why I was coming up this way. I only stopped when I heard you coming. The trail is over here. The two made their way over to the west where Juan indicated. There were large drag marks in the mussed dirt and leaves of the underbrush. And there was blood. What is going on here? Raoul whispered, eyes darting around the second he saw blood. I don't know, Juan replied. Whatever is happening, it isn't good. Let's get back to the lodge. Raoul nodded in agreement, and they retreated back down the valley. A large part of Raoul expected to find Alejandro and Samuel already back at the lodge, with the deer carcass hanging in the shed. He hoped that's what he would find. He wanted to be angry at the pair for leaving them out there, and then demand they drive the hunt the next day and make up for it. Raoul wanted to be angry because the only other option was the truth. Friend or not, 
Raoul could not show weakness in front of one or any of the others. He knew they would pounce on him the second they spotted the chink in his armor. He knew because he would have done the same to them. They didn't become the coffee barons by sitting around on their asses. There were sharks. All of them. The pair returned to the lodge and didn't find any sign. Everything was where they had left it either last night or this morning. Empty bottles still sat on the counter in the kitchen. The spare boxes of ammunition sat on the small table where Raoul had loaded his weapon this morning. They checked the shed as well, but there was nothing there either. Then, like the shriek of a banshee, a wailing howl cut through the tent's quiet. It flowed down from the pass, carried on the sudden hot wind that smelled of decay and horror. Juan's face turned into the hot gust, squinting against the bits of leaves and grass it kicked up. We should get back inside, he said. Raoul didn't respond, only closed the shed's door and wordlessly moved off back towards the house. They just made it to the porch when the shriek sounded again. This time, much closer. It was near enough to recognize the voice. It was Samuel. The wind shifted, blowing sharp and cold uphill. It kicked up swirling dirt devils that spun and whirled, pulled up the mountain. Raoul spotted him then. Samuel was racing down the slope. He leaped over a fallen tree windmilling his arms through the air as he jumped. Every fifth dried, Samuel looked over his shoulder wildly, and as though he were pursued by some monster Raoul could not see. What is it? One asked. He held his rifle scope up to his eye, sighting down it in Samuel's direction. Raoul couldn't see what one was talking about, and so brought his own rifle up as well. He only caught brief glimpses of movement between the trees, but Raoul saw what looked like a deer, it was larger though, with cracked and split antlers, matted fur, and most alarmingly, half of its head missing. The wound could have been from a large caliber rifle, like the one Alejandro preferred, but there was no way he should have been able to move. More than that, they weren't aggressive like this one was, chasing Samuel down through the woods. Kill it! Samuel shrieked. Finally close enough to see the pair standing on the porch. Shoot it! It's coming! With no more prompt required, both Juan and Raoul began firing at the fast-moving antlered monster. It was a long way off, moving fast, and Raoul's adrenaline had spiked. The pair peppered the ground around the monster as they chased Samuel, but they couldn't hit him. Samuel was still 200 meters off or more, and the monster was moving faster than him. If Raoul and Juan didn't kill the thing, it would catch Samuel. The wind shifted again back to the hot bottom breeze, and Ralph reloaded as quickly as his shaking hands would allow. Then, raising his rifle back to track the monster, he realized there were more. No, there wasn't one, but four massive half-dead deer chasing Samuel. As he tried to catch one with his first round, Russell had changed direction at the last second, as though it hadn't anticipated where he would fire. They were intelligent fast and angry. Before he could fire again, one of the others jumped laterally from a small rise and his antlers caught Samuel around the shoulders and pulled him howling to the ground. Juan took a step off the porch, almost going after his friend, 
before his better sense of self-preservation and greed reasserted itself. Two more descended on Samwell, whose cries drowned into gurgling, tearing noises so loud and violent, where Al could hear them from the porch. Before the beasts could finish their meal, one ran inside. Raoul followed him, slamming the door behind him. What the fuck was that? What is going on? Dear, don't act like that. Juan's hands were shaking more than Raoul's even, and he fumbled with the box of ammunition. He dropped several rounds on the ground before he was able to load another magazine. Juan slammed the mag onto the belly of his rifle. I don't know, two's a mech maybe? That's crazy. That's not a real thing, Raoul countered. Neither are deer that hunt humans with half their heads missing. Raoul locked the door and pushed Alejandro's overstuffed bag in front of it. Okay, what do we do? He asked, more to himself than Juan. I don't know, Juan said, dropping his rifle out of his lap. The rifle hit the carpet with his soft thud. Raoul walked over to him and scooped up the rifle. Hold your shit, or you'll get us killed, Raoul said, handing Juan back his weapon. Then, looking up and out the living room window, Raoul saw one of the monsters stalking towards the lodge. Blood coated its antlers and ran slick on its face. This one had all of its head, but a massive hunk was missing from its side, and more blood oozed from an open wound revealing its ribs. Juan sucked in a breath and pointed out the window on the other side. Raoul spun and saw another of the crazed and monstrous deer standing outside in plain view. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to scare the hunters. And they wanted Raoul and Juan to know it. The wind shifted again, changing back to its sharp cold gusts swirling up the slope. Raoul saw the trees strain and bend while the cold air rushed down the chimney, cooling the lodge's interior. They're trapping us. We have to move. We have to get out of here. It's an hour to the truck if we hurry. We can't outrun those things, Juan said. Raoul finished reloading his own weapon and pocketed another box of bullets. He left his pack where it was. We'd only slow him down. What other choice do we have? He asked. Then after readying himself, he opened the back door and took off running down the mountain. The blood coursed through his muscles as they churned down the slope. Rolls spared barely a glance over his shoulder as he ran. He didn't need it. He'd seen exactly how these beasts hunt. He knew even now they were racing to encircle him and cut him off. Juan didn't want to leave the lodge. He figured holding up there, pressing the door and windows would keep the monsters at bay. Or had seen the furious hunger in their eyes and knew they wouldn't stop and nothing would sate their desire to kill him. One screams followed Raoul down the mountain. He had lasted exactly one minute. That was a full minute Raoul used for his head start. The coffee barons were no more. Now it was just Raoul and the monsters alone in the dark wilds of the Buck Mountains. Alone with the screams. He pushed the sounds out of his mind and focused only on pounding of his chest and the terrain in front of him. Raoul leapt a small stream and heard the splash of something landing in the water only a moment later. Then a quick breath 
hot and rotten, followed him step for step. Raoul scrambled around the base of a large tree whose roots sat at the stream's bank, greedily sucking up the water. The roots had grown fat and were as thick as Raoul's waist. He slid down against them just as antlers slanted to the trunk, sending chips of bark raining down on his head in splinters. Quick as he could, Raoul rolled forward and sling his rifle as he went. He didn't have enough time to get up to fire, but he braced it in front of him in a sudden turn, correctly expecting the monstrous deer to try and impale him again. The rifle's body blocked the sharp burning antlers. Raoul twisted to his right, keeping his firing arm as far away from the beast as he could, knowing every second at this point was a gift from Actua. But his god was on another continent and couldn't keep him safe for long. The beast twisted with him, its mouth foamed with rabid hunger, and as it leaned outward it broke free from Raoul's rifle. The monster reared up on its hind legs determined to stomp downwards at him. Raoul had only a blink to move, but he used his time wisely. He pulled back and fell onto the soft mossy ground, buying himself the vital space he needed to bring the rifle's muzzle in line with the deer's chest. He fired as it descended and the blast forced the creature at an oblique angle, only grazing him as it fell, dead. Raoul had shot it through the heart. He lay there on the ground, heart thudding in his ears so loud it blocked out almost everything else. He couldn't stay there long. He needed to catch his breath, but there were others coming. Raoul couldn't believe they hadn't chased him out yet. Then, almost as if answering his suspicions, the wind shifted again. It alternated between hot and cold, up the valley and down it, fresh and rotten. Raoul rolled over, staying as low and cautious as he could, before peeking up and over the thick roots of the tree. At first he couldn't comprehend what he saw, and once he did, he wished he still couldn't. There were dozens of the monstrous, half-rotting deer standing at various distances and in various directions, but one and all had their eyes locked on him. Raoul noticed the wind change back to sharp cold and was pulling him up the slope towards the beasts, and his eyes followed the wind. There, he finally saw the wind didn't just tug on his clothes, but pulled at his very essence. Raoul spotted one then, or what was left of him. His corpse floated just off the ground moving up the slope, carried on the wind. Raoul had assumed the deer was the Tusimek the outfitter had spoken of, but he had been wrong. Tracing the path one's body made up the slope past the lodge, Raoul saw then why he had missed it. He had missed the biggest clue, the one which would have foretold him of his mistake. He found himself looking up the slope to four gigantic tree trunks that weren't there before. He craned his neck up, and up, and up. Yet these trees held no branches, no canopy, no leaves. Raoul followed them up yet further, up into the twilight sky. The sun, nearly blocked out by the body of a creature so large, it created the hot, rotten wind every time it exhaled. The Tuzumek 
the real Tuzumek. Shook its head and bodies fell off its shoulders like motes of dust. Each a monstrous, half-rotting deer in their own right. They stood up and joined the others encircling Raoul now. The Tuzumek snorted once. A swift blast of dismissal and the horde came for him. There was nothing he could do. The staff of Brownhorn Hunts had the rifle bark once, twice, and then go silent. They knew it was done. History would devour the memory of the coffee barons, and the Tusimek would pay a small penance of its power to Ekchua in restitution for killing its chosen, as was custom. And thus, the story is ended. The tale told. The chapter closed. This twisted tale was created by an Apollo Plus creator. Apollo Plus is a subscription that lets you listen to your favorite audio fiction series with no ad interruptions while supporting your favorite fiction and horror creators. Shows on Apollo Plus have no ads. They grant early access to new content, offer exclusive episodes and behind the scenes clips, season supercuts, and more. And the collection of shows is always growing. 70% of the revenue goes to the creators you love and helps them make their next audio adventure possible. You can support dozens of creators with one subscription. So join Apollo Plus today by downloading the Apollo Podcast app for iOS and Android or by visiting apollopods.com. But don't think that you can escape the horrors.